and welcome back to Recover to Flourish, the podcast that aims to debunk all things eating disorder recovery and bring a bit of light to your eating disorder recovery journey. I'm your host, Kiandra. I'm an eating disorder recovery coach and I'm a survivor of an eating disorder. And this podcast is everything I wish I could have learned in my own recovery journey. And I'm bringing it to you all. I am overjoyed, as always, to hear how many of you are getting in touch about the podcast. You are just all great. And this little safe space on my corner of the internet is growing every day. And I'm so glad that I can help each and every one of you overcome such an awful illness that needs more awareness about. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. And also thank you. Each and every listen really, really helps me. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button because it really helps me continue to do the work that I do. So all that I ask from you is a little subscribe, follow, do whatever you need to do to make sure that I um, remain in your listener of choice. So be that Spotify, Apple podcast and many more. Um, So I'm at the forefront every Tuesday so you can hear new episodes of Recover to Flourish. But all of that bit's out of the way. And today I'm going to be talking about the sneaky signs that you could be restricting in your eating disorder recovery journey. So I think this is a topic that's not talked about often enough because we can talk about, you know, extreme hunger and we can talk about all of the complexities about meal planning, etc. But we kind of don't speak about it in recovery from an eating disorder. It's sometimes talked about, well, often talked about as the main symptom of an eating disorder um, because the clue is in the name, restrictive eating disorder. However, we kind of rarely stop to think about the effect that it can manifest in recovery. And the reason that I'm talking about this topic is because it was so evident for me for so many years and held me back for full recovery. And, you know, I think it's really, really hard to, you know, understand what's restriction and what's your eating disorder as well, because I think given we all live in a diet culture world, um, a lot of these behaviours become ingrained in us and are so habitual that we don't even recognise them ourselves. And therefore, it's really hard to separate the behaviour of being restriction in your eating disorder with what actually is normal. And people around you as well are also likely to know that, you know, maybe these are behaviours that are just common of you and just accepted that for what is them, you know, making um, assumptions over what you can and can't eat. I know in the past there was definitely that assumption from family members like, well, she won't have it anyway. When in reality, when you're overcoming an eating disorder, that's what you don't need. You know, you need to be really rewiring these restrictive habits. And, you know, in overcoming an eating disorder, you might be eating tens and tens of thousands of calories, you know, even so much more than what you've been used to, but you might be still restricting. And I don't mean it in the respect, you know, restriction can come into many forms. And that's why I want this episode to really bring light to what actually restriction looks like, because eating disorders are notoriously sneaky and they negotiate and they argue with you in any single way that they can. And they want to basically keep you stuck and like keep the grips of the eating disorder. And 
in this episode, like I said, I'm going to tell you some sneaky signs that you could still be restricting in your eating disorder recovery. And so by doing this, I hope to bring some of the awareness as to maybe why you should cut this out and look at these signs of restriction. So I think first things first is ignoring hunger cues. So for instance, that could mean that you're on like a structured meal plan, but you are, you know, eating a set amount of calories or nutrition or meals every day, and you won't allow yourself to exceed, you know, even if you are hungry. And that could also look like eating um, at certain times. So limiting yourself to when you can and can't eat. So saying you're only allowed to eat lunch at 12, or, you know, if you were hungry before, you couldn't have your snack earlier, et cetera, et cetera. You know, even when your brain and body are screaming for it, you know, you are putting off that hunger. And that is definitely a sign of restriction. Even if your meal plan is there, if it is, you know, below your hunger needs, then that's something to look at and go, actually, am I eating what my body needs? Secondly, excessive exercise. So I think maybe this is something, this is a topic for another time, but, you know, replacing one obsessive behavior with another. So potentially compensating for eating through excessive or compulsive exercise or steps or movement, you know, actually using movement as a way to restrict. And I think it's not talked about enough because I think in the recovery community. And again, I'm not going to go into too much detail here because, you know, it's a sensitive topic, but I do feel like there is a lot of replacement of behavior going from, you know, having a restrictive eating disorder or having an eating disorder to then being a fitness influencer or getting really obsessed with fitness. And I think it's really worthwhile noting if you are compensating for eating, even without thinking. So I think you need to be very careful when incorporating exercise back into your, you know, life and actually make sure that you're eating enough to justify your exercise if that is, you know, actually safe for you to do at that time. Thirdly, and that's cutting out food groups. So like elimination um, of certain types of foods at certain types of times. So having rules about like what time of the day that you can eat specific foods and not allowing yourself to have these foods at any other times. That's a very, very, very common form of restriction and a way the eating disorder will stop you from getting what you really want to eat. I think that also um, comes into having certain things that you can and can't eat. So very much like the fear foods, you're eliminating entire food groups or fats, you know, carbs or fats or even gluten. Again, being fully celiac is very uncommon. Um, you know, it's, it's not impossible, but, you know, actually cutting out food groups for any reason, um, other than medical reasons could be a sign that you are restricting without knowing. This one, you know, is about kind of, the next one is about weighing and measuring food to a specific amount. So that could manifest also in calorie counting. So using apps like MyFitnessPal, I am no way in shape or form sponsored by them, but I just thought it would be useful to know what, what I meant by like an app. So people with eating disorders, as you'll know, listening, get very attached to certain measuring equipment so scales and weigh out everything that they eat you know I think there is a difference between knowing a portion size and actually obsessively doing anything so again you know I think in recovery it's good to know what is a minimum amount and you don't need to do that with a kitchen scale 
you know, if you're eating without limits and restrictions, you don't need a set of scales or other moons means to measure the food quantity, you know, to tell you that. I think, you know, with anything, if you're unaware of what actually a normal portion is, it's always good to educate yourself on that. By by all means, once you've done that, it's kind of like allow yourself to have as much as you possibly can. And whatever it is, keep eating it until your brain and body says, nope, I'm done. I am done. I'm happy. Instead of restrictions, which again, it's another way to restrict things. I think it's really hard because a lot of eating disorder facilities are like, you need this amount of this, you need this amount of that. And I think there is a place for that. Make sure you're getting enough. But beyond that, it's actually allowing yourself to go actually, I'm allowed more than what I'm, you know, giving myself my bracket. Again, this ties into calorie and other number checking. And I think maybe something else that just popped into my head actually about restriction is a lot of times people will weigh themselves and therefore restrict the amount they're allowed to eat in that day if the weight has gone up. I think that is a form of restriction because ultimately if your weight was meant to go up in recovery, then your body was not designed to be at that place. You know, ultimately in recovery, it's about, you know, eating more than you've definitely been used to, eating beyond what is considered normal because your body requires thousands and thousands and thousands of calories to repair itself. You know, so I think when it comes to weighing yourself, number one, don't recommend it at all, but it can become restrictive in itself because if you're letting the scale be a marker of how much you're going to allow yourself to eat, it can be really, 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 really detrimental. Next, and I don't even know what number I am on, but um, this maybe ties into um, orthorexic tendencies is overemphasis on health foods. So I know in the past I've got caught up in that. So it's like focusing excessively on clean or superfoods and avoiding anything that's deemed unhealthy. So, you know, even if you craved, you know, your favorite cake or whatever, it'd be like, no, this, this is not healthy enough. And I think that is a sign of restriction because if you've got that craving for something, your body's like, I really want this, but you're not allowing yourself to have it. And I think in the respect of, you know, you might be eating enough, quote unquote, but if you're denying your real like needs and your real desires, it can be very, very restrictive. And therefore you're kind of putting food on a pedestal. You're saying, actually, I I'm not allowed this food or this food is bad, but actually then you want it more. It's like in anything, if you say you can't have something, that's when you want it more. So that is another sneaky sign of restriction. I think next is, you know, overthinking meal plans. So again, from whatever treatment facility you're in or even yourself, you can spend an excessive time planning meals and ensuring they fit a certain criteria. You know, I hear kind of countless uh, times from like, many different clients, you know, saying, does this food, is this food good enough for like HA hey, recovery or is this food, you know, perfect? And actually it's letting go of the chains of being perfect in recovery and going actually, my body knows what it needs to heal. And, you know, your body is so clever and it wants what it wants. Like I know for me, I craved high fat foods, um, a variety of different things, ones that, you know, you'd consider quote unquote healthy, but other things that really, you know, don't get, maybe get a bad rap, but really that's what my body needed. My body needed to recover. So, you know, overthinking your meal plan and spending excessive time trying to control the perfect, you know, balance of everything is restrictive. Again, you know, and this maybe ties into, you know, 
having limits over what you can and can't eat. And that's ignoring hunger and fullness cues. So I think I've done podcasts in the past about, you know, it's really hard to decipher what is hunger and what is fullness in recovery. And that's why sometimes mechanical eating is really important. But once you get later on in recovery, you will find that you will have more hunger and fullness cues. Like that's great. And I think part of it is not allowing yourself to eat until full and satiated. I think me in the past would put off you know, hunger and just say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm full, but then be, you know, excessively drinking beverages or Diet Coke or something like that. When in retrospect, I probably was still hungry. And now that there's that awareness, I'm like, okay, if I'm still thinking about food after a meal, I'm still hungry. Again, with anything, with, with eating, typically the body takes about 15 minutes to register its full as well. So it's not just a, you know, and that's why it's really, you know, it's all about a learning process is, is, intuitive eating and intuitive eating shouldn't really be used early early on in recovery in the respect that you know that sometimes means that you're not eating a minimum of three meals and three snacks but you know after that it's like listen to your hunger if you've got extreme hunger your body's not lying to you I think another really important one to talk about is comparing what you eat to others so when you only eat as much or less than, you know, your family members, partners, sibling, friend, or only eating if they're eating, it keeps you stuck. Because when you're in recovery, you need a lot, lot more than those around you who are not energy deprived and who, you know, has an energy balanced appetite. You know, your appetite is likely to be several theirs in recovery. And also, I think it's really important to note that a lot of society have a very warped perception over what's normal I know in the past and I hear it so much it's like oh I skipped breakfast today and it's like okay well but I wouldn't do that you know it's kind of I always say all for them in the nicest possible way it's like you know that your needs are greater than theirs and actually when you go through recovery and get out the other side you'll realize that restriction is not going to solve any of their problems <laughs> or any of your problems. So I think if you start to do what other people around you are going to do, it will keep you massively stuck and you know you'll continue to restrict as you go through recovery. You know, you might gain weight, but then you will still be stuck in the when you can and can't eat or if you have to eat around other people. It limits your freedom. I think lastly is actually the mental restriction. So it's something that's not really talked about a lot, but one of the biggest signs that you are still hungry in recovery is, you know, mental hunger. So continuously thinking about food and calories and, you know, reading recipe books, looking at social media at food, even if not physically restricting, means that you are restricting because your body is not designed to think about food all the time. Like it's not that interesting. In the nicest possible way, it's like there's definitely foods out there that are so interesting, like that you can go out for meals and it's all fun. But day to day, food is there to keep you energized, to keep you doing all of the amazing things that you're doing. And if you are not fully honoring that, all of those thoughts inside your head, you are mentally restricting which could keep you stuck. I think there is so many ways that you can be restricting, you know, and again, one thing that I missed off that is actually really important to discuss is pre or post event restriction. I know I hear so many people like, oh, I'm going out for an event, but you know, I need to compensate for going out to that event. So if there's food involved, it's like you restrict all day so you can go out for this meal, you know, 
And then obviously there's that aspect of restricting after if you've had a big meal. But I just want to tell you, you do not need to restrict as permission to eat later. You know, you need to give yourself unconditional permission to eat. And the thing is, if you, you know, do do that, you will be really, really, really hungry and likely eat a lot more because your body is deprived. And lastly, and I said lastly before, but they keep popping into my head because I just feel like there's so many sneaky ways that you could be restricting and that's keeping very, very, very busy. So be that like with work or moving or cleaning. I know I used to be like an obsessive cleaner. Now, less so. I still like cleaning, but like (laughs) not not that much. Um, And it's to avoid eating. You know, notice what you're doing and aim to relax and rest more and let the hunger in. Let it in. Let it into your life and say that it's not something to be scared of. I think, you know, it's worthwhile listening to this and then you know, say that this is your kind of starting list for actually being aware of all the sneaky ways that your eating disorder is making you restrict. And actually, remembering it all really does matter, that if these ways that your eating disorder is sneaking in and keeping you stuck are there, it's like digging them out, getting out of your hole. You know, I think the most important thing is to recognize that, yes, you might be eating a lot more than you have been used to. Yes, you might be eating loads in the eating disorder's eyes. But if you're using restriction still in small ways, it reinforces your brain that you can never eat too much or that numbers or matter or there is a specific time of day when you can or can't eat and et cetera. And et cetera, that doesn't even make sense. But you get what my, uh, you get my drift there. I think it's very hard to say that, but, you know, these restrictive eating disorder behaviors might not limit the fact that you might gain weight and restore weight, but they will keep you stuck and in that disordered mindset. So I think it's always thinking better out than in. So be aware of what you're doing, be aware of your triggers and be in the mindset that you really want to kind of unearth everything that your eating disorder is telling you. Do you want to be living a life where potentially you feel like you're recovered, but then you're not recovered, that you're using compensatory behaviors and all of these restrictive little habits to keep you stuck. I mean, in my life, it's kind of like you don't want any of these weeds to, you know, manifest their way into your life. You know, it it's really, really, really important to get all of the, you know, the silt out and remember that you're your journey is unique and that restriction is so many different forms. Um, and it's not forgetting that you are still valid, even if you are weight restored or that you are never underweight in your journey. Like, as I always say, it's like only 5% of people with an eating disorder actually are clinically diagnosed as underweight. So no matter where you are on your recovery journey, know that this podcast aims to educate and inform you about the complexities of an eating disorder. And I really hope that this is a a little seed of hope for each and every one of you that you can get past all of these like little mental gymnastic things (laughs) that your brain wants you to do and actually live a life of freedom. Um, Because recovery and full recovery is so important because it will leave you much more robust in full, full recovery. 
So thank you again for listening. If you do get the chance, please leave a review or star it, give it a rating on whatever you're listening um, from, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever device you are listening on. I always forget about Amazon Music and such. But wherever you're listening, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share it with others who might want to hear it too. And thank you for tuning in as always. I really hope you've enjoyed listening and remember you know, your journey is unique and you're not alone. So join me next time, next Tuesday for more insights and take care and flourish.